A reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, here I am. Eli said, what was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also, if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told Eli everything and hid nothing from him. Then Eli said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and, not, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 
I want to start today with a little experiment, and you'll have to adjust this based on who might be at home or in the car or wherever you are engaging in online worship with you. What I want to challenge you to do is to tell your life story in 60 seconds. Now, I know, I know it's just about impossible, but give it a try. And if someone else is worshiping with you today, then Take turns. One of you shares for 60 seconds and then stops. You're going to need a timer. And then the other person shares their life in 60 seconds and stops. So I'm going to invite you, if you want to do this little experiment, to pause now on your own or with others and then come back when you're done. Now you're probably thinking that that was an impossible task. How could anyone summarize their life in 60 seconds? Even a five-year-old, maybe especially a five-year-old, couldn't possibly do it. Now, if you were with someone else doing this experiment, I'll ask, do you feel like you could repeat most of what you heard from the other person? Or did you maybe feel like you spent most of the time not so much listening as you were preparing to tell your story? Now, I freely acknowledge that this, this experiment isn't really fair. I mean, you didn't get any warning before you uh, engaged in this sermon today. You're given a fairly ridiculous assignment. But still, even this slightly silly few minutes reminds us that there is a difference between hearing and listening. There's a difference between paying full attention to another voice or just kind of not talking until it's our turn. It's also a reminder that just because we hear somebody else's voice doesn't mean we really understand. If you think telling your life story in 60 seconds is hard to prepare for, then try waking up to the voice of God in the middle of the night. That, of course, is what happens to Samuel in the story that we heard today. Samuel is young. How young, we don't, we don't know exactly. Maybe 12, if we had to guess. So you might wonder why he's sleeping in the temple in the first place. Well, years before, before he was born, Samuel's mother, Hannah, could not conceive. And finally, in her deep grief and her desperation, one day she came to pray at the temple. She begged God to give her a child. And she promised that if she had a son, she would give him back to the Lord as a servant to be raised in the temple in the home of God. That is also how we meet Eli the priest for the first time, who is apparently unaccustomed to anyone praying quite as fervently as Hannah because he looks at her and thinks that she's drunk. But she explains her prayer and what she's praying for, and Eli tells her to go in peace. And he prays that the God, might, the God of Israel might grant the petition that she's made. Sometime later, Hannah gives birth to a son. And when he's very young, as promised, she brings him back to the place where her tears and her prayers were heard. She hands her much wanted beloved child back to Eli and she says, I am loaning him to the Lord. And then she goes home. <laughs> 
Now that is a whole sermon in and of itself, which we should come back to for another day. But for now, let's focus on the fact that while sleeping in the temple might seem strange to you and me, unless you've ever, you've ever spent the night at a church for like a youth lock-in or something, it's the only life Samuel's ever known. You would think then of all people, he might expect to hear God or at least be less surprised by it than the rest of us. While you and I at night pull covers over our heads in our bedrooms, Samuel every night lies down right next to the ark of God, the very presence of God in the sanctuary. I mean, shouldn't you sort of expect to hear God right there? And yet, when a voice comes late at night, Samuel has no idea what's happening. Honestly, I take comfort from this. Comfort that even someone who spends every waking hour, plus the sleeping ones, in a place of prayer, someone whose skin and hair smells permanently of incense and candles, who knows all the chants by heart and can recite scripture from memory, someone immersed in the traditions of God's people from before he could even remember, this person could still hear the voice of God and have no idea what to do. Well, you say, Samuel was very young. How much can you expect? What about Eli? I mean, he is, after all, 90 years old if he's a day, and he's going blind at that. He's been in this temple long enough to see generations come and go. Long enough to have seen Samuel's mother weep in prayer and then bring back her beloved child. Long enough to have worn smooth the stones of the floor as he lights the candles and fills the incense again. Surely he should recognize the voice of God and know what to do. Well, as the story tells it, Eli himself doesn't hear the voice. All he knows is that Samuel keeps interrupting his sleep, claiming that Eli has called him when Eli knows that he has done no such thing. There is something else, though, too. Eli has been approached by a prophet once before. A prophet who told him that God is aware of the wickedness of his sons. You see, Eli has two sons of his own, and to make a long story short, they're not great. <laughs> to be more specific, the story says, now the sons of Eli were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord or for the duties of the priests to the people. They steal other people's offerings. They treat women very badly, just to start with. Eli's kind of tried to stop it all, but with no success. And Eli knows that God knows about his sons. So maybe Eli is not terribly enthusiastic about hearing the voice of God in the middle of the night. Sometimes we don't hear because we aren't listening. Sometimes we don't hear because we don't know what to listen for. Sometimes we don't hear because we aren't prepared. We don't have time to stop and focus and pay attention. 
Sometimes we can't listen because we don't know how to understand what we hear. Sometimes we can't listen because we're afraid of what we might hear. Sometimes we stop listening because we have come to believe there's nothing worth hearing in the first place. In a place of worship like this, or in our homes, or really any place else, many of us struggle to hear God. Or when we think that we do, we struggle to understand what we're hearing. We listen for God's voice calling us to peace and justice, and yet we watch the world march on to war and violence as the chasm between rich and poor grows wider every day. We listen for God's call to care for the earth and its creatures, that original work that we were given in the Garden of Eden. And yet we find ourselves often overwhelmed by the realities of the damage we have done to this planet and the enormity of the task of repair in front of us. We listen for God's Spirit calling us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to see the image of God in every single person, no exceptions. And yet we see the results of fear as laws are made to shame transgender children and their families and shut down their access to health care. We hear that in Jesus, God has come to make a home with us. And yet even in our own community here in Kirkland, there are voices of anger and anxiety around those who are homeless. Voices that say, we have to solve the problem, but it just shouldn't be right next door to me. It's hard to hear God in all the mess. Or maybe we've forgotten how to listen. So here's where Samuel and Eli can help us. They remind us that God persists in speaking, even when it takes multiple tries for us to hear and repeated mistakes along the way. They tell us that hearing God and figuring out what God means is very rarely, if ever, a solitary experience. They need each other to understand. Eli needs Samuel's youthful ears, and Samuel needs Eli's experience and wisdom. Much like humanity needs the ears and the voices of the old and the young, the black and brown and white, the rich and poor, the refugee and immigrant, the newly Christian and the lifelong Lutheran, the Buddhist and the atheist and the Catholic and the evangelical. For in every voice is an echo of God's. In every ear is the capacity to hear God in unique ways. Don't think that you're supposed to be able to do this all on your own. Samuel and Eli also tell us to expect not just soft and comforting words from the Lord, but also the honest and sometimes painful truth. They're here to remind us that there is courage and hope when we stop long enough to say, even with trembling voices, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. 
like Eli, what we hear might hurt before it heals. Sometimes the truth does that. So how do you listen these days? How do you listen to yourself, to the voices you hear in the middle of the night? How do you listen to your neighbors, even when all you want to do is launch your response before they close their mouths? How do you listen to God? Who helps you listen? Who helps you understand? Who challenges you along the way? When is it time to listen? When is it time to speak? God never forces us to hear. But God never stops speaking either. May we stop long enough, whether we are in the temple or not, to listen and pray that someday, together, we might really be able to understand. Amen.